No pilots playing tales. Christmas heroes. Squanida Robert Palmer went to school at Gravesend Grammar. To this day, his portrait and a citation can be seen in the school hall, reminding pupils of his story and hopefully inspiring some of them. Palmer was a pilot who served with the Royal Air Force during the Second World War. The survival rate of bomber crews was, to put it simply, appalling. During a time when only one in six would survive their first 30 missions in a tour of duty, and only one in 40 would survive their second tour, Robert Palmer was in his fourth, having completed 110 bombing missions. He took part in the very first 1,000 bomber raid in 1942 and was one of the first pilots to drop the 4,000-pound cookie bomb. His skill, ability and leadership was such that he served with the Pathfinder Force, who conducted operations to mark heavily defended targets with special incendiaries or flares to indicate to the main bomber force where to place their bomb loads. This often necessitated remaining in the target area to coordinate the attack and even returning over the target to further mark it should the original marking flares be extinguished. A squadron leader at 24, Palmer was serving with number 109 Special Duties Squadron on his final mission. It was just before Christmas and he was leading a formation of Lancasters on a daylight raid to bomb the Gremberg Railway Marshalling Yards in Cologne. He was designated the Master Bomber and his aircraft was equipped with the highly secret Oboe radio bombing equipment. His task was to mark the target for other following heavy bombers. Oboe was a sophisticated navigation system that used transponders in the aircraft that, when triggered by an interrogation, would send a signal back to the ground station in England. Two intersecting arcs gave a very precise location of the target. Initially, voice was used to guide the aircraft, but then Morse took over. Approaching on one arc, two signals would be sent, one with short tones and one with long tones. The navigator would guide the pilot until the tones merged into a single sound indicating that they were on the correct arc. Then a second more signal showed them the range to the drop point and eventually the exact time to drop the bombs. The entire force was split into three formations, each with an oboe-equipped Lancaster leading, plus a similarly equipped Mosquito in reserve. The attack did not go well. They had already lost two Lancasters when they collided crossing the French coast, killing everyone on board. Approaching Germany, the expected cloud cover had evaporated, leaving them terribly vulnerable to intense anti-aircraft artillery that surrounded Cologne. This would be particularly dangerous during the long, straight approach that Oboe necessitated, so it was decided to abandon the restrictions of an Oboe attack and allow the bombers to break formation and bomb visually. Tragically, this decision didn't reach Squadron Leader Palmer. He was already in deep trouble, having been hit multiple times by flat cannons. Two of his engines were on fire, and many would have considered that the perfect justification for abandoning an attack. However, 
Despite the crippling damage that had been done, he pressed on with his run, determined to do his duty as the master bomber and provide an accurate aiming point, thus ensuring the success of the raid. Fighting to keep his aircraft on an even keel and rejecting the option to evade, he made a perfect approach and released his marking bombs. His Lancaster, however, had been critically damaged and was last seen spiralling to earth in flames. A notoriously difficult aircraft to escape from, only one crew member out of the seven on board bailed out, the tail-end Charlie, the rear gunner. Thirty aircraft had been dispatched, but only twenty-four returned. Palmer and his crew were buried at the Rheinberg War Cemetery. For his bravery, squadron leader Robert Palmer was awarded the Victoria Cross, the highest and most prestigious military decoration for gallantry in the face of the enemy that can be awarded to British and Commonwealth forces. The date was the 23rd of December, just two days before Christmas. The next day was Christmas Eve, and Brigadier General Frederick Walker Castle of the US Army Air Corps was airborne in his B-17G Flying Fortress, nicknamed Treble Four after its registration number. A West Point man, born of a West Point man, Castle earned his wings at March Point, California in 1931. He flew the Curtis Hawk before being assigned to other duties, but then resigned to take up a civilian job with Sperry Gyroscope Company. However, he remained a member of the Reserve. Shortly after the United States entered the Second World War, Castle rejoined the Army Air Corps and was promptly transferred to join the prospective heavy bomber force due to be stationed in England. He started his work by setting up the bases and supply depots that would now be required by the new 8th Air Force. By now a colonel, he had become the Air Chief of Supply, but he was angling for an operational role. His boss, Brigadier General Eker, eventually relented and granted his request, giving him command of the 94th Bomber Group at Rugum near Bury St Edmunds. In the bomb group that he had assumed command of, morale was at rock bottom. Losses had been high and they were often savaged by enemy fighters and heavy flak during the daylight raids that they undertook. When Castle took command, he had some difficulties in raising the efficiency and skill level of his group. He was in a very similar situation to that depicted in the famous movie Twelve O'Clock High. By nature, he was aloof. He often delegated tasks, and he was a novice bomber pilot, all of which were seen as weaknesses by those under him. Gradually, however, his leadership created positive results, and on the 28th of July 1943, he led a deep strike mission into Germany to bomb a Fockwolf fighter factory at Kassel. Weather caused 155 aircraft to abandon the mission, leaving just the 94th and a few stragglers to press on to the target. It was Castle's leadership that got his group through this mission, and as a result he was awarded the Silver Star for Valour. Castle continued to run the 94th until he was promoted to command the higher echelon that included his old bomb group, the 4th Combat Bomb Wing. 
His wing was soon increased in size to five groups, and, as a result, he was promoted to Brigadier General. Christmas was approaching in 1944, and an unexpected German counterattack had cut off the US First Army in the Ardennes. This was the Battle of the Bulge. The situation on the ground was becoming desperate when the weather that had previously prevented air support cleared. The very next day, December the 24th, the largest US airstrike operation of the war was launched from England. It comprised 2,046 heavy bombers with 853 fighters in support. General Castle was leading the 4th Combat Bomb Wing, which was assigned to lead the 3rd Air Division, which in turn led the entire 8th Air Force, and Castle himself was in front as the Air Commander. It was his 30th combat mission, and he was flying as the co-pilot of the lead aircraft. Things hadn't gone so well, as it had taken longer than expected to assemble the massive force, and the P-51 fighters had missed their rendezvous due to bad weather, but eventually the vast formation was on its way. En route to the target, Castle's aircraft began to suffer engine trouble, and eventually the engine failed completely. As he began to fall back, he was forced to relinquish his position at the head of the attack, but he chose not to jettison his bomb load to increase speed in case he was over Allied troops. Lagging behind the formation and without fighter support, his aircraft became the target of numerous enemy fighter attacks, which ripped into the left wing with cannon shells, setting it on fire and wounding two of his crew. Repeated attacks started fires in two engines, leaving the flying fortress in imminent danger of exploding. Realising the hopelessness of the situation, Castle gave the order to bail out. Without any regard for his personal safety, he remained alone at the controls to give all the others in his aircraft the opportunity to escape. The attacks on his aircraft continued and the pilot was seen in the nose hooking on his parachute with Castle still at the controls. Finally, the fuel tanks in the right wing exploded and the bomber plunged to earth, carrying General Castle to his death. However, his actions and bravery saved seven of the nine on board. To quote from his citation, his intrepidity and willing sacrifice of his life to save members of the crew were in keeping with the highest traditions of the military service. He was posthumously awarded the United States of America's highest military honor for personal acts of valor above and beyond the call of duty, the Medal of Honor. Georg Schentke was born in 1919 in the little town of Kriest on the 23rd of November. There is little to document his early life, but after finishing his pilot training, Unteroffizier Schentke joined the Luftwaffe's 9th Gruppe of the 3rd Geschwader, named Udet after the First World War ace. Fighting in France, he was soon awarded his first victory, a Bristol Blenheim, over Abbeville. A few months later, flying his ME109 over England during the Battle of Britain, or as he would have called it, Eagle Attack, 
he claimed a further three aircraft shot down. However, it would be during Operation Barbarossa, the invasion of the Soviet Union, that he would see most of his victories. He flew as a wingman to his group and commander, Major Volta Osor, and had soon accounted for 34 kills in the air. He was rotated from the front line for recuperation, which included a short stint in Italy, but soon he was back in action, escorting transport planes, supplying the Demyansk pocket. His total of enemy aircraft destroyed continued to rise and had soon reached 71. He was awarded the German Cross in gold, nicknamed Hitler's Fried Egg, an imposing award given for repeated acts of bravery. After this period of frontline flying, Schentke was transferred to a training unit as an instructor to rest from operational duties. In November 1942, he returned to the Eastern Front as a volunteer to fly in defence of the German Sixth Army airfields near Stalingrad. Over the next six weeks, in heavy snow and fogs, and often with only two or three BF-109 serviceable, this small unit claimed some 130 Soviet aircraft, Schentke himself accounting for 29. His last victory was on Christmas Day. It was a Soviet IL-2 Sturmovik ground attack aircraft, his 90th kill. But while his enemies spiralled down to earth, Georg Schentke's own aircraft was damaged by debris and he was forced to bail out over Soviet positions to the west of the city. It was the last time he was seen alive. When he died, he was the holder of Germany's highest award for leadership and bravery, the Knight's Cross of the Iron Cross. Three brave pilots, each holding their country's highest award for valour, and each killed during Christmas, in pursuit of the same aims, victory. We live in a world often forged in conflict, but particularly at this time of the year, I want to wish you all a safe and peaceful celebration and a happy and prosperous New Year. <laughs>